Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's your favorite time of the day when you listen to the Educated Hustle podcast with your host, Paul Latibidere Jr. and your co-host, Emilio Porter. Emilio, how you doing, my friend? I feel like I got downgraded. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing good, though. I'm doing good. It's always a great time to be here doing what we love, this podcast, giving it out to the people. That's true, man. That's true. And I know, you know, this is going to be a great interview for the folks. We gotta, we're talking about everybody's favorite subject. It's jobs, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, everyone's got a job story. Don't matter who you are, everyone's got a job story. I think just off, off, offhand, I might have applied to like 10 million jobs, 2 million. <laughs> it feels like that. I don't know. Give it take a couple of million, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Please. Huh? I live in the application centers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And, you know, I know everybody's going through the struggle. I know a couple of people offhand going through the struggle of finding jobs and applying and interviewing. But we got somebody today who's a pro recruiter, Mr. Ben White. Uh, he writes for his blog, gettingthejobhq.com, where he gives you tips and feedback on what you can do to improve your chances of getting hired. Yes, and he really is a master at work here and speak. In this interview, you're going to hear a lot of great advice, and you're probably going to hear stuff that you did not know about, and it's going to make a light bulb go off. Some of that stuff, though, is really going to require you to really go in there and, you know, kind of not rip up that resume, but spruce it up a little bit. But, I mean, for the greater good, it's probably for your benefit. So, I just know off talking to him, I learned a lot and I'm definitely going to apply it in my future job searches. So, yeah, I'm excited to have have people actually listen to Ben and really kind of get that knowledge that they need. Man, I wish I could just go back in time right now and tell my past self like, yo, man, you could have been doing this all better if you just listened to this podcast. But I know it's impossible. See, but you see, it's like it's like the. we're like the pre, it's like premeditated destiny. Like you had to do that in order to get to this point where you find out that you didn't have to do that. Now all you need is like a time machine to go back to tell yourself you ain't had to do that. And it's after that, the plot line gets confused on like the Terminator <laughs> movies. But nonetheless, I just don't want to understand. I, I just don't want to like create any like weird alternate realities. I got like my foot chopped off because I did something wrong, you know, stepped on a bug, you know, something crazy like that. I don't, I, I just don't want to mess up that kind of destiny. How, how dare they make an alternate reality where you got a job? <laughs> <laughs> that is the one thing time will not stand for. Exactly, exactly. And I also, I wanted to ask you, man, just you know, tell tell the people about some some job opportunities, some times where you know you felt like it was. Uh, you know, it was kind of hard to, for finding a job and things of that nature. Yeah, um, definitely. I would believe that the, the the struggle was real after graduating college, but I was able to bounce back relatively quickly for that. So my struggle was really my first job after graduating. I was laid off from and I had a free month downtime, which, you know, it's, it's not a terribly long downtime, but. When you look at free months in the face, if just applying, it really does get that, that, you know, wears and breaks you down. And I mean, you just apply, you apply and you apply and you get used to it. I I had I applied to uh, the big free uh, phone companies and what the way they do it is they do um, personality assessments 
And I had no idea how to do personality assessments. I just kind of go in there and, you know, answer whatever. And then I found out wrong, doing it completely wrong. I had to look up online and, and realize that when you do any person, personal analysis assessment and there's a gauge between most likely to least likely, one to five, every one of your answers has to either be a one or a five. I didn't I know that. I died. Oh, you could do four threes, but no, there's got to be a one to five. And the reason why is because companies want to be sure that you know in whatever scenario where you are going to stand definitely. They don't want no in-between, no hesitation. How likely are you to get mad? Either you aren't going to get mad or you are going to get mad. So that's just one of the few things I picked up. But it really is a grind. It really is a struggle. You're going to get denied a lot. You're going to get very few phone calls. And you're going to get phone calls that for jobs that you know you don't want. But you just got to keep her, you know, pushing through. I, the job I have now, when I applied, I, I said to myself, I really want this job. And I got a call later on that afternoon by my future boss and the rest is history. So, you know, there is hope and there is light at the end of the tunnel. You just really have to get yourself there. Now, that's that's good insight because I, uh, you know, when I was in the appliance, they just took a couple of those personality tests and I was like, really? Like, you know, like. Mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to answer these questions the right way. And I probably missed a couple of job opportunities because I didn't know that tidbit. So I appreciate you for sharing that, man. Oh, no problem. And it does work. I, I took a I, I took an Amazon assessment test and they, they give you those whole things and I got a call the next day. So just, you know, in case you think I'm doubting, there is some proof in the pudding. <laughs> Yo, I was thinking that same thing. I was like, proof in the pudding. I was, I was really about to say that. it's so funny it's so funny i think one of the job things for me that i have is that those those arithmetic tests and those crazy tests they make you take um Mm -hmm. for applying to jobs and i i had i had no idea how to do those things but you know you kind of once you take it once you kind of look at what they're looking for they're looking for like little patterns or they want you to see how well you can recognize things um so the people that are applying for jobs that make you take a little bit of tests, you know, make sure you're taking it in a quiet area that you can focus. It's kind of like going back to school for a little bit if you're not in school. So you really got to zone in, focus, and make sure that you're 100% ready to take this test because that's what I had to do, uh, eliminate a bunch of distractions and make sure that I took this test seriously, like I was taking it a real test. And I was able to get an interview for the job. So it's really cool um, the different ways that companies are now recruiting new talent mm-hmm. and my co-host is giving you gems because i do the complete opposite when i see those arithmetic tests i just know i'm not getting this job but i'll try this anyway <laughs> like i just i go in there guns blazing and leave with defeated so but i mean i understand i understand the arithmetic and everything and you know i i've lost i've lost on some job opportunities because of those tests and I, i'm just not a math person like that I, I prefer reading, so when I see those arithmetic stuff, I'm really like stumped and puzzled. But for those that can, they do make a difference, and it really is good to have that background. And yeah, probably makes a lot more sense to prepare yourself, sit there, get your get your mood and vibe right, and take the test under nice, calm circumstances rather than be like me and just say, "All right, let's do this," and get that <laughs> fresh F or whatever disqualified score. So. 
they look at your score like this man really got every question wrong. Like we yeah, hired yeah. it. I'm looking. I'm, I'm with them looking at it like, mm-hmm, yep, that one too. That's wrong. That's wrong. Oh, this is definitely wrong. Like I can see why you don't want me. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny, man. Uh, another thing I wanted to harp on is networking, man, because networking really helped me get this job. Um, I was out in California like three years ago on a trip, and I saw one of my. Uh, my pledge brothers uh, in California, and I was like, "Yo, man, what are, you, what are you up to right now?" You know, and he was telling me, "Oh yeah, I got this job. Um, it's really flexible. You know, the company provides you with the car. You know, you go, you inspect restaurants." And I was like, "Oh yeah, this is something I could do." You know, and I already had that relationship with them in the past. And he was like, "Yo, this is what you. This is what I'm gonna do. Just apply for the job, put my name down." And you'll be able to, you'll probably get a call back. So I literally just did that the next day was like applied for this job. And, and the next day I got a call, did an interview, interviewed a week later. And now I'm, you know, happily employed for another, for two years. So, um, it was all really, thank uh, I really thank my, uh, pledge brother for giving me the opportunity because I had him in my network and I kept that line of communication open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it was, I remember when you were when you were telling me about it, it was really a quick turnaround. But yeah, that networking thing is so big, and for the for the modern generation, we don't really network enough. And then there's people in the older generation that don't really network. Like my brother, um, he recently retired from the Air Force, and he just got a job, and he's telling me he like, yeah, you know, my my uh, my counselor to get a job is really telling me about networking and how important it is. And it's like you know, it's like you got like a little kid talking to you. You just found like you know Legos for the first time, and I'm just like, I'm like, you didn't know about networking? Like, I've I've been networking, and I I, I salute to Alpha Kappa Psi, our fraternity, because they really installed that networking in us. But yeah, there's a lot of people out there that don't know the importance of it, and it really is important. Like, you might not like that place or event you're at. If you are like that, don't just you know strug it off go out there and make some connections because literally all it takes is saying hi to somebody smiling in them and having two minute conversation and all of a sudden multiple doors are just open to you so please 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 network it's easy when you're talking to people on twitter that's networking yep. if you're going on linkedin and you're making you know connections and friends that's networking yep. literally no excuse hashtag no excuse. hashtag <laughs> to not do it so i mean you just you got to really get involved though, because honestly, you never know. And just from doing this podcast and having all this guests, our network has increased. And now we have access to people that literally all we did was say, hey, we have this podcast. We want you on. Would you consider it? They said yes. And now, boom, as they say, business is booming. So please go out there and network. Yo, that's a that's a that's a gem, really, that you dropped there for real, because like literally <laughs> being on Twitter is networking. Mm-hmm. Talking to somebody is networking. I think people shy away from the phrase networking because they think it's some magical thing, but it's really just talking to people and make sure that you follow up with those people so that you're still fresh in their mind. So it's really a simple thing if you really think about it. It really is. It really is. But alas, it's not our job to give you all the gems. We got to let Mr. Ben White, take control and give y'all some more precious stuff. And he's going to give you a lot more tips than me and my co-host just gave you. So please get ready, get set. Mr. Ben White coming right at you. All 
All right, and we are here today with Mr. Ben White. He is a blogger for GettingTheJobHQ.com and also specializes in talent acquisition. Mr. Ben, how are you doing today? I am doing excellent. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No problem, man. We, we thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, we just want to get you started by explaining a little bit about yourself and, and what you do. Yeah. So I, uh, I am in talent acquisition. I'm a recruiter. Um, I have been doing that for about six years. Um, I've done it for two Fortune 500 companies. Um, I've done it both as a headhunter, which is kind of like a third-party recruiter, as well as a corporate recruiter where I actually work for the company and I hire only internal, um, internal employees. And then I also uh, have my website, which I've been working on, which is it covers all things talent related. So that's, you know, if you are a candidate and you want to know, hey, what can I do to get a job? What can I do to network better? How do I answer difficult interview questions? You can come to my site and find that. And if you are a, uh, an HR professional and, and you want to learn, um, you know, what are some great ways to get your posting to be more attractive candidates? you know, and a variety of other different tips and, and tricks. You can also find that that there as well. So that's kind of mm. a little bit about me. That's the uh, the elevator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. I, I, I mean, you're our second recruiter in the show. And um, I think it's kind of cool because we didn't really get to dive into the recruiting aspects of our first one. But I know a lot of people, you know, question off the bat I have to ask is a lot of people on their resume do a lot of popular conventional things that they think are really going to make them stand out. In your opinion, what are some popular me- uh, methods that people do on a resume that actually turn recruiters off? All right. So I'm going to go the the first one that comes to mind immediately. Um, and this is, this is one that I always see and I always cringe a little bit when I see it. And that's the objective set of a resume. Um, so, you know, a lot of times you'll have a candidate and they'll, they'll write up their objective to find a mechanical engineering job and contribute to the company's overall profitability or something like that. Now, I don't like that for a few reasons. The, the first reason is oftentimes people will leave that on there and they, they'll have that not only when they apply to mechanical engineering jobs, but they'll apply to like a project engineer job or they'll apply to a process engineer job. And as a recruiter, you look up there and you see, oh, well, that's not the job I'm recruiting for. So it can actually harm um, if you forget. And people often do, you know, you're applying. Um, and people often leave that, that title on there so it can disqualify you. The second reason is it never really helps you. You know, as a recruiter, if I'm looking at through a, a bunch of resumes of people who apply to that same mechanical engineering, I never look on there and look at the objective and say, oh, my God. Yes, they want to be a mechanical engineer because it says so, their objective. Um, you applied for the role, I already know that. I know you want to be a mechanical engineer, you know, mechanical engineer. you've applied. So it never helps, but can often hurt. That's one of the things that people do um, that I would say just, you know, nix it. You know, get it off the resume. I've, uh, I've looked at tens of thousands of resumes. I've looked at resumes every day for the last six years of my life. And I can tell you, if you just delete that off, you will be in better standing. It's a good idea just to get rid of it. 
Mm, that's a, a quick pro quo right there. See, I'm not a fan of objective uh, statements myself, so it's refreshing to hear that, especially when people tell you, you have to have when you have to have one. It's like, well, I just talked to a recruiter, and he was like, no, you don't really need one. <laughs> yeah, you were right. You were right about that. The, the other quick one I'll say is, um, you know, most people, you could probably go without a cover letter. I yeah, don't yeah. read them very often. Mm. And all that well, time I, I wasted. Huh? Right. All that time I wasted oh. writing it, man. Yeah. I'm sorry. They... You won't waste any more time because I'm telling you it's not necessary. Um, I don't read them. I look at the resume. If you're a fit, you're a fit. If you're not a fit, then you're not a fit. The only situation where I would recommend doing that is if you have a gap in employment. So say you've been out of work for like nine months and it's because you've been taking care of an ill family member. If you write that in the cover letter saying, hey, I'd like to explain this, that can help. But otherwise, it's it's something most recruiters that I know, we just don't really look at it. Unless they specifically ask for it or you want to explain something, I'd say take a pass on that and save yourself some time. Oh, my God. See, you're breaking the wall down. I, like, my mind has been blown because oh. I've always thought cover letter. Now it's like, no, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and me too. I had a dollar for every cover letter I didn't read. Um, I, I, could, I would have a lot of dollars. You'd be rich. You right wouldn't now. be recruiting anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty hilarious. And I mean, for, for me as well, what kind of frustrates me is that so many people tell you which way to go, which way not to go. I don't know why it's like that. I really don't. Could you explain a little bit about that? Yeah. In, in terms of the, uh, the cover letter, why people say yes and why some people say just, no. Just generally cover letters, resume, any kind of tips when it comes to getting seen on, on job applications or things like that. There's so many different directions. How come, how do you feel, how do you feel like you can get people to go the right direction? Yeah. So let, I'll tell you how you can stand out as an applicant. I'll give you a, a few quick tips because when you apply to a role, I'm sure anybody who's ever applied to a role ever has gotten into an application. You know, they've, they've applied and then they're sitting there like, all right, I can't wait to get that email back or that call or we're going to do the res- you know we're going to do the interview and then it never comes. Um, so these are tips how you can actually get noticed um, and and end up getting yourself to that that first round interview. The first thing is if you apply to a job, look at the job description. There's going to be tasks on there. There's going to be you know has programmed in Python, has programmed in C has been on cross functional teams. If it says that in the job description and you don't put that in your resume then you're making a critical mistake. You know, if you've done that, now obviously don't make anything up, but if you look at the job description and you see a whole bunch of stuff that you've done in past roles, and then you're not including that in the description, things you're doing in your current previous roles, you know, then you're making a mistake. A lot of applicant tracking systems, they have algorithms that match the job description to the candidate resume. So if you apply, there's going to be a, a, you know, some computer algorithm there saying this person is a 70% match. So if you're not matching some of the terms, then you're making a mistake right. So the first thing I'd do is I'd look at the, the resume, you know, and I'd, I'd look at the job description. And when you can make them overlap, make them overlap as much as possible. The next thing I'd do is I'd want to make sure that my resume was keyword heavy. So again, I'll, I'll use the kind of the software engineer example. If you're a software engineer. You need to have a section of your resume that says languages and puts all the languages that you've used. So if you use C, C++, Python, Ruby, 
all those things need to go on there because recruiters are going to search through databases. They're going to search through applicant tracking systems on those terms. It's not enough that you put software. You want to put specifics. Um, so any programs you use, any tools you use, any methodologies you've ascribed by, all those things that you've done, you want to make sure they're included because they're going to search that. You get a lot of different advice because there's a lot of different recruiters out there and they have different things that they specifically look for. And those are opinions. So they can be wrong or right. But the things that will always make sense is trying to match your resume with the job description when applicable and making it keyword heavy. Nowadays, where people can use Boolean searches, so many uh, recruiters like myself are air certified. We're, we're using Google just to find you. Whether or not you've applied to a job, we can put in Google different search strings. We can find you. Make sure your profiles and resumes are keyword heavy um, for the stuff that you've done. You know, give yourself credit. A lot of behind the scenes, man. Yeah. A lot of behind the scenes to what recruiters think. That's crazy. <laughs> that was a powerful line where he said, Google will find you. <laughs> that is true. We can, I mean, when you, when you create a profile somewhere, um, you know, there are, there are aggregators and, and these places where you can search, you can put in a search string and they'll pull up your profile on, on iSpace, on Facebook, on Twitter. And if you have C Sharp in there, they can find you. There's a bunch of tools out there and, and Google is great for that too. So make sure all your profiles that you create, if you want to be found, make it easy to Hmm. Okay. Well, that's great. That's great tips. And that's definitely something I would know myself. I'm personally going to put into use. <laughs> definitely. Um, but I kind of want to get past the first round. And this is a, this is a, a scenario that I'm sure a lot of listeners and I know, especially myself, kind of face where you get to your position and you're basically in the final two, the top two, yeah. and you don't get it. And your experience through recruiting what is usually the difference between the top two people that really gives the person who gets the job that nod? Yeah, you know, and this is a different, this is a difficult thing to prep for. But uh, sometimes if you have two people and they're really close, it comes down to the connection you make with the interviews. So if you've got two people and they've got very similar skills and they have a very similar education, it may just come down to who vibe better with the people they're interviewing. Um, that's why it's so important to, to make sure that you nail the interpersonal um, interactions. You know, look people in the eye, smile, have an open posture. When you shake hands, you know, firm handshake and look at, you know, look people right in the eye. Because a lot of times you're going to find yourself in a situation where you have very similar skills and it comes down to the final two. And, you know, if, if they liked the other person better, honestly, that that's what it could come down to. Make sure that you're nailing that part of it, that you, you come off as friendly um, the other thing that I, I tell people you want to do is just prepare, you know, put yourself in, in the best position you can so that ultimately you impact it the way you want. So know about the company, know about the role, do research on the people interviewing. You know, there's no situation in which it's bad for you to know that the hiring manager went to the same college as you. You know, if you can find that information out and you can with LinkedIn and, and various other you know sources, Find it out. Come armed with all the information you can. Um, another thing that happens to people, um, and this used to happen when I recruited at Rockwell Automation, it's a Fortune 500 company, about 40% of their hires are internal candidates. And I think you'll find with big companies, you're going to find similar numbers. So if you're an external candidate, you might come in second place to somebody who works there. They have a little bit of a competitive advantage. There's not a lot you can do about that. You can prepare. 
Um, you can try to be as personable as possible, but sometimes it's just going to come down to, um, you know, the person has been there for three or four years and, you know, it's just easier. It's better. It's better for morale to hire internally. That does happen. to you. Make sure you thank people for the time and let them know that you're interested in future positions. You know, sometimes it happens and it sucks, but you got to think about what you can do uh, at that point to benefit yourself. I agree with that. Um, a lot of good keys there, man. I, I really yes. think this is going to help out our listeners a lot because I know a lot of people struggling to even find jobs, you know, especially after college. I mean, I know for myself and my co-hosts, we we, we kind of had that similar situation where it was mm-hmm. tough to really find a job after school and after college. So um, particularly for those kind of candidates here, fresh out of college or maybe graduated, had a couple years after graduating, um, how do you feel like they should uh, market themselves without actual job experience? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And, I, you know, I've written a few pieces on that on, on my blog because it's a question I get a lot, um, you know, especially if you have an economy that's not not full steam ahead, right? You know, the past five, mm-hmm. 10 years, there's been some tough economies. And you have people who have 15 years experience and they're applying for the same roles that sometimes people who have two years experience or are coming right out of school. So that's stiff competition, uh, making it more difficult. So I'm going to look at this two ways. If you are still in college and you haven't graduated, so I know this is a little bit different off the question, but let me let me talk to those people who are listening to your podcast. You should try your absolute best to get an internship. It can make all the difference. I have hiring managers who say, Ben, find me an entry-level candidate, but I want someone who has internship. If they don't, I'm not interested. So the first thing you should do is be trying to do that. I didn't do it. Probably my biggest regret when I look back at college that I didn't do that. Um, The second thing you can do before you graduate is get your LinkedIn profile up and start connecting with the people you go to school with. If you're getting a business degree, all those people in your marketing classes and business classes, those are future connections. And those are future ins to companies. So the first thing I would do is do that. Now, let's take a look at all those people who have graduated and they're a year out, um, they're two years out. That's a little bit more difficult, right? Because you're already in the game. I would say my best advice is to keep trying. Make sure your resume looks fantastic. Make sure your LinkedIn profile is optimized and looks great. And then the next thing I would say is, is network. Those people you went to school with, whether or not you know you connected and, and talked to each other while you're you're in school, um, connect with them on LinkedIn. And you see they get a new job or they're at a company, send them a message saying, "Hey, I saw that you're working at Johnson Controls right now. Um, what do you think of the company?" You know, and and start a dialogue. One, people want to help other people. So generally speaking, if people like you, they're going to want to help you. It's just human nature. The second thing is most companies have a referral bonus. So even if they don't want to help you, even if they are a sociopath and they don't care (laughs) at all about helping you, they'll want to help you for money. Um, There's companies who will pay $2,500, $5,000 for referral bonuses. So they are absolutely incentivized to refer people. I'd say reach out on LinkedIn. You know, obviously you want to set up Indeed alerts so that within 30 miles, if there's a job that it's your background that you want to apply to, make sure you get that email notification and apply right away. But also reach out to people in network. 
that right there's a sermon oh man there's a lot to just just sit on and simmer with that one right there (laughs) yeah i had a quick question about optimizing your linkedin what do you mean by that exactly oh sure you know that's a that's a that's a great question Uh, so a few things you know linkedin kind of helps you with this because they have a They've got a little thing on the side of it where it says your profile is 90% complete, your profile 60% complete. Make sure it's 100%. So that's the easy stuff. That's a low-hanging. Have a profile picture. Write all the the previous roles you've had. Um, If you're relatively entry level, feel free to put projects on there or jobs that are, you know, maybe are, you know, if you had an internship, obviously put that on there. Um, But if you're in school, right, have a, a keyword set. There's you can put like the summaries, right? and you can put you know Ben is a recruiter with six years experience, and blah 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 blah. So one, fill all that stuff out and and you know sell yourself. But in addition to that, have a little section below that says summary or keyword, right? And then put all the different keywords. So if you um you know if you use C plus plus, and I hate to go back and forth with software, here, but this makes sense for a lot of reasons. You know, if you have experience with C, C Sharp, C++, Python, all that kind of stuff, have a keyword section. Just type out keywords under the summary, you know, put a put a hyphen there and then type out all the things because people are going to search for you. You want to make yourself searchable. The next thing I would do is I join a bunch of groups and I'd follow companies. If you're interested in companies, search them on LinkedIn and click follow. Then join groups. If you're an entry-level accountant, Join the entry-level accountant. There's going to be recruiters in there who are looking for entry-level accountants. There's also going to be hiring managers and other accountants. They're going to be posting things. Interact with them. You know, post some things that you see online yourself. Um, and just become active in those groups. Just the building relationship stuff, that's huge. But in terms of optimizing, LinkedIn does a great job of helping you with that. Make sure you've got a picture. Make sure you put all your jobs. Make sure you fill it out fully and make sure... Um, you have a keyword section that kind of itemizes the different things you've gained experiences with. So if people are trying to find you, you're helping them find you. Mm. Oh, that's solid. See, I learned a, a few things there too. The keywords portion of that is definitely something that is like vital. Please rewind, absorb, listen to <laughs> yeah, it. Play it back. <laughs> but I, <laughs> yes, please. But I, I, I kind of want to ask this as a uh, listen question is. Going off of everything you said, it seems you're really, really, you know, a big believer in helping people and making sure they get to where they got to go. So just in your years of recruiting, do you have a like personal for favorite success story with anybody? Right when I started recruiting. So the first couple of months, it's actually the story of my first placement. So I had a client in in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and they made uh, fire resistant lock boxes. So if you had a um, building and you had, you know, important stuff you wanted to put in a safe and uh, that stuff had to say, you know, had to stay safe, even if your house burnt to the ground, that's what they made. Anyway, so they're looking for a senior mechanical engineer. They've been looking for a year. Um, and they said, tell you what, we'll pay you 25% of the person's first year salary to go and find this person. So I never made a placement before. I ended up pulling up career builder, looking at a bunch of resumes and and found this one person to me seemed to be a great match. So I called him up. I said, Hey, Mark, found your resume. Seems like you'd be a great fit. And we talked. He's now worked for about, I think it was about nine months. 
And he said, you know what, Ben, that sounds like a great opportunity. I'd love to interview. So we got him in. He had to go through like five interviews, like interview with me, interview with HR, phone interview with the owner, um, an on-site interview where he met with the owner and the HR person and two members of the team, and then one more phone interview with a, with a partner. Um, it was a long, drawn-out process. But I got the call from the company. And ultimately, they said, you know what, we'd like to make Mark the offer. And Mark told me, you know, Ben, I would love to make $80,000 a year. Um, and they said they wanted to pay him $85,000. So I, I, called, I called Mark up and I was, I was pretty nervous because it's only halfway done. Right? They, they, they said they wanted him, but he didn't definitively say he'd accept the job. Um, you know, recruiting, it's like you're selling a product that can say no. Um, so I called him up. I said, hey, Mark, I got some good news and I got some bad news. Um, the bad news is I couldn't get you the $80,000 that you The good news is I got you eighty five, dollars And I could just feel the weight coming off his shoulders. There was this, this sigh that was like a happy sigh. Um, and I could hear his wife in the background saying, what did he say? What did he say? And he said, I got it. And she started crying in the background. Um, you know, he had been out of work for nine months. He was the only person in the family who worked um, and they needed it. And uh, he said, Ben, tell him I accept. I can start tomorrow. And it was just a great feeling for, for a few reasons. One, it was the first placement I ever made. It's hard to make a placement as a headhunter. You try to make 12 a year, so one a month. So just getting one um, is such a big win. And then for him, obviously, it was huge. And for his family, it was so for a lot of reasons, that's like my favorite feel-good story. You know, there's nothing like the first time, um, and it was just it was just awesome. Sounds awesome. That was powerful. Wow. It, yeah, it's it's like you really just kind of remember like for people and their family just how much it really means to have a job, and you know, it just it take it's nice to go back and just think about it and just be like, you know, wow, that's great that they're able to make something happen and actually get something done. So yeah, that was a powerful story. Thank you for sharing that. You, you are welcome. It's a story that I personally love. I still remember standing up in my cubicle with my headphones on, just like pumping my fist. Um, yeah, so I, I can tell that story anytime. It, it puts a smile on my face. Uh, you're like Jerry Maguire and show me the money, huh? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to get back to the interview process. So um, during an interview, you know, what are some of the things that will make an interviewee stand out? Yeah, you know, I, I think the the main thing is come prepared to answer the questions. There's so many resources online. My website is just one of them. There's tons of places. You Google interview questions. All the interview questions that people are going to ask you to come up. You can find them online. And you can practice. So do it. Um, you know, know the company. You know, go to their website, familiarize yourself with everything they do, familiarize yourself with recent articles about the company so you know current events, and then prepare. You know, you know the questions they're going to ask. You can go online and find them. Um, I always tell people the best way to do it is to write down on a piece of paper 10 questions, 15 questions that you could expect to be asked given your profession and given the role that you're applying to. And then write down the answers. Don't just say them in your head because you're not going to remember it. Write them down and then practice it. So when you go in there and you're interviewing, 
you know, you know, imagine if you were on like a football field and um, like, I don't know, like the Patriots, for example, and you knew what defenses were going to do. You could prepare for that. And that's exactly what you can do with them. You know, you can look and find 10 questions you're going to be asked. Prepare for them, write them down, practice it. You can go in there and you can nail those questions. So that's that's something that I would do. So try to be friendly. You know, if you're in person, smile and just know what you're going to say. You know, go in there prepared. There's the one single thing that you can do. The greatest thing you can do to impact your success or failure in an interview is to come prepared. That's entirely on you. You know, you can't change what you've done in the past. You can't change the biases of the people who you're going to be talking with. You can't change their impression of you. The one thing you can control is coming in there as prepared as possible. So I'd say that's the big thing. I like that analogy with the football team. <laughs> I could definitely relate to that. Yes, yes. Totally. That is ooh, good stuff right there. Great stuff right there. Yeah. I kind of want to get back to your website, get into the jobhq.com. Um, if you could, could you just tell us what inspired you to create that? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I used to do a lot when I was a headhunter um, is I'd prepare my, you know, I'd prepare my candidate. So they're going in for a client and it's a big deal to me. I need to try to get 12 of these a year, but their success or failure is huge. So it always prepared. And I liked it. I thought it was fun. You know, it's a fun thing to do. I like helping people. My website is kind of a way for me to do that. You know, I have people ask me questions all the time. Then, you know, if someone asks me this question, what should I say? Um, and, you know, my website is a way for me to do that on a large scale. So there's times people will message me a question on LinkedIn and I'll say, you know what, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to make that my next post and I'm going to answer that question with, you know, 1,500 words in explicit detail, exactly how you beat that question, exactly how you answer it. So you come off looking like a total stud. Um, for me, it's just a, it's a great way to help people. Um, you know, I had listened to some podcasts um, and people were talking about, Hey, if you're passionate about something, create a blog. And I thought, you know what? I'm passionate about recruiting. I like helping people. This is a way for me to do it. So that was kind of the initial motivation. You know, someone sparked that, you know, other people have blogs, people have interests. You can do it too. So that was kind of my thing. I wanted to be able to go out there and, and help people. So the first thing I did actually is I wrote a book. Um, if you go to my site, www.gettingthejobhq.com, if you go to my ebook, there's a link on there. You can click it. It'll take you to Amazon. It's like $2.99. It's 120 pages of crap. So everything you could ever want to know from a recruiter standpoint, how to get a job, you know, the phone interview, the network, how to deal with counter offers, how to make yourself get, you know, a, a better offer. Um, one of the things that I'm always big on is if you get an offer from a company, always counter it. Ask for more money. It takes so much time to arrive at a candidate. And if someone makes you an offer, they're dead set on you coming to that company. There's no reason for you not to get more money. You know, so there's lots of things I cover in that. It's online. And, um, and then I kind of made a website to go along with that. So I published the book, made the blog, and then just started pumping out, you know, one blog post a week. I got some really good feedback. It's been a lot of fun. So um, I've just kind of kept at it. And it's it's been an awesome experience. 
It sounds like an awesome experience. And you know what? I, I perused the blog and I really like the in-depth detail that you definitely use when doing your blog post. So, I mean, if no one has done it yet, I thank you for having that website existed because I can already see how it can help people out tremendously. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, um, I, I hope I am. Uh, you know, I in the, the first six months, um, I saw some pretty impressive growth and just the amount of people who came. I, I think the first month I had like a hundred people come. The second month I had like 180. The third month I had like 200. And the fourth month I had 10,000. And then Ooh. the fifth month I had 15,000. And then the, the month before, so I think in, what is it, June? In May, I had 20,000 people. So I've been very happy with that. And I hope that there's people all over the world who are being impacted you know, if I can just help a few people who really need it get a job, then uh, to me, that's all worth it. I definitely mm, agree with that. Yes. Um, and, you know, you said you were sparked by a podcast. So hopefully you being on this podcast will spark the next person uh, in whatever endeavor they're doing, whether they're finding a job, creating a blog. I think, uh, you know, you're definitely paying it forward by being on the Educated Hustle podcast for sure. Definitely. And I would say to those people, if you want to do something, you have passion around doing it, you know, do it. There, there's nothing there, there's there's nothing to lose by doing that. There's a there's a Chinese saying that says the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is today. So if you want to do something, don't wait on it. Do it because in a year you're going to wish you did it today. So if you've got a passion behind something, go do it. Yeah, that's the message we're definitely trying to get out to the people. You know, around here, we just say hashtag no excuses. Here we go. But I do like to do it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, definitely something that I want to kind of ask is you're very much just in the recruiting game and it's such a big part of your life. Could you just describe to us how has recruiting itself changed your life? You know, I would say that it's impacted me. In, in a lot of ways. One, I was always an outgoing person, but I'm more outgoing now. I talk to people every single day who I've never spoken to people. There's not a day that goes by that I'm not talking to somebody who it's our first conversation. So I think that's a big part of it. I also think it's it's made me a more compassionate person. You know, when you are an applicant, you don't really see the other applicants, right? You're applying to a role and you want to get it. And, and that's natural. But as a recruiter, you know, I talked to people who said, Ben, I've applied to 150 jobs. You're the first person who's called me back. Or, you know, I've, I've applied to 150 jobs. I've gotten 20 interviews. I've gotten absolutely no offer. Stereotype that recruiters are just, you know, we're cold hearted, fill roles and move on. And that might be some of them, but it's not all of them. There's a lot of recruiters out there who have been applicants, who have been unemployed and who are looking we get it. Um, and I, I think that that's very much so me. You know, I've been in the situation where there was a layoff and I was part of it. I, I was like, oh man, what am I going to do? So, you know, I get it. I've been, you know, I've been in that situation, been an applicant, I've been a, a finalist where I came in second place. So I think, you know, it's made me a lot more outgoing. It's really made me appreciate, you know, having a job and, and then also like just the process and the struggle. You know, when people are trying to go out there and provide for, you know, themselves or their family. Um, so I think that's how it's changed. It's been pretty profound. I definitely agree with that. And um, one of your answers led me to a, an interesting question. 
say you get laid off or you get fired and yeah. you're trying to explain that in the next job interview, should you be honest or should you try to hide that? You should be honest unless it's something absolutely terrible. <laughs> like if you got fired because you stole $100,000 worth of office and then punched your boss in the face, man, that is going to be hard to overcome. But I'd say for most people, you want to be honest. And I, I would say this too. There's a big difference in being laid off and being fired for cause. You know, if you did something negligent and you were fired, that's going to be hard to explain. Um, so if you cannot do that, don't do it. Um, but if you got laid off, that happens, you know, be upfront about that. I think you should be upfront about just about everything. The fact of the matter is, you know, people talk, you, you could apply at a company I'm recruiting at and say, oh yeah, I, I ended up leaving there because I was, I just wanted to change. And I'm like, well, that's weird. Why would you do job? I might know someone the old company. I can mess with them and go, Hey, you know, just kind of off the record between you and I. This person leave or did they get fired or what happened? They can say, no, man, that, that person got fired. Um, so I actually wrote a post about this. And uh, I feel pretty strongly you should tell the truth. You don't want people finding out later in the process after six months that you lied about something. Um, your reputation is important. So you want to protect. It. Most people are going to find out anyway. So just be upfront. Just prepare yourself so you can tell a good story. You got laid off because you're, you're, a, you're a sales engineer or you're a sales guy and um, you know, you just didn't hit quota. Be prepared to tell that, be candid, and tell what you learned about that and how that's prepared you to excel more. In the but you don't want to lie because people can find out. About that's very, very true. I was in that situation where I got laid off from my job and I was just very upfront about it because to me, something my dad always told me was, you know, even if you get fired, still be proud. Every, people get fired. It happens more than, you know, do do things so there's no need to have like a shame or a burden about it because it's just part of your career you know <laughs> i couldn't agree more i mean it, it happens to people and it happens to good people um but what did you do how did you react what did you do to make sure that happened in the future a more well-rounded professional moving forward yeah the, the key is always that and everybody always talks about that uh that piece that kind of turns it around and makes a negative into a positive Yep. That, I mean, that's, and that's, that's everything right there. If you found yourself in that situation, you don't want to lie. Try to, try to turn it into a growing moment. Exactly. Well, Ben, you've been phenomenal. Like you, you let us inside everything that we could even think of when it comes to recruiting. So, I mean, you just been great. I, I kind of want to ask your last question. Just do you have anything you want to leave to the audience and listeners out there? Yeah, well, first and foremost, I want to thank you guys. I think you guys are doing a great job, and I think it's an awesome idea for a podcast. So if you guys, if there's audience members listening to this right now, subscribe, keep listening. I don't think you can ever have enough motivation. So I'd say that, and I, I thank you guys for having me on. And another thing, check out my blog. If you haven't been there, go check it out. It's www.gettingthejobhq.com. Go there, download my free interview prep guide. So I wrote like 10,000 word free interview prep guide. There's absolutely no, no commitment. There's no, you don't have to subscribe. You don't have to opt in. You don't have to do anything. It's just a free resource. It's 10,000 pages. It's just me preparing you for a job. So whether you've got an interview coming up, 
or you just want to have a free resource, you know, download it, share it. It's free for everyone. Um, it's just something I wanted to do for my readers and anybody who goes to my site. So there's no reason not to do it. Go download the book, you know, and, and, you know, I guess the very last thing I'd say, be aggressive and take chances. Fortune favors a bold. You're not happy in your job. You deserve to be happy. You don't need to stay there just because you're there. And even if you're happy, you can be happier. So, uh, you know, if you're feeling like, man, I should be doing something else or I deserve better, you're right. Go do it. I agree. And I mean, if the book is free and they didn't get it, man, they don't want to succeed, man. So go get the book. It's it's free. It's on his website. Go download it right now. Yeah, please, it's, please it's, it's called my free ebook. You can find it right on my site, right in the menu tab. Totally free. Just click it, download it. You have it on your phone in like 10 seconds and then read it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's all you got to do. Exactly. But hey, before you leave, Ben, could you yeah. let us know just other than the blog, how else can the people connect with you? You can add me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Ben White. I live in a, the Milwaukee area and I work for a company called Titus Talent. So uh, you could search me on there. Um, you can find me on the Titus Talent website. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Ben W Recruiter. Um, yeah, so connect. Add me on LinkedIn and follow me on Twitter. I talk a lot about you know employment. I talk a lot about hip hop, and I talk a lot about Chicago Bears football. And if you're okay with those things, um, then I'm a good follow. Also, I tweet cat pics. Oh, man. <laughs> cat. I was gonna ask cat. Catfish is my girlfriend would love that, but Chicago's bear football. I mean, I think you need to ask: Are you okay with Jay Cutler? That's a whole different podcast we can get into. <laughs> let me say, let me say this real quick: If you're a real Bears fan and you've been watching the team for the ten years prior to Jay, you're okay with Jay Cutler because I watched a string of just below-average trash slinging the, the the ball around for the decade before Jay. You could do a lot worse than Jay Cutler. If Jay Cutler was there would be 15 teams calling his agent within five minutes. Um, that's my quarterback. Love me some Jay Cutler. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all you. That's we let it end on that. Then we appreciate everything, Ben. It was great having you on. <laughs> Likewise. Anytime, guys. Take care. Awesome. Thank you. And there you have it. Mr. Ben White, dropping some knowledge about recruiting. I think I speak for both me and my coworker and everybody out there that y'all learned a lot. Yeah, definitely learned a lot. Definitely uh, was really insightful. I think the biggest thing for me was like the cover letter thing because I've been so pissed off writing cover letters, so pissed off. And then to hear him say like, oh, yeah, we didn't even read those. It's like, man. (laughs) I, I had it to the point where I was copying and pasting key parts to the cover letter and i was just like adding little things here and there but man cover letters are that still takes a time like i do the same thing but it still takes a time and i mean it makes sense though because it's just like who really gonna read a cover letter like we know it's just gonna say good stuff we know you want to work here that's why you're applying so it makes sense so i definitely will feel a lot better if i apply to more jobs in the future knowing that when they say cover letter i do a quick little laugh and hit submit <laughs> Yo, that's hilarious. And I think um I think that that uh man that joke threw me off. I don't even know what I was gonna say to that. 
<laughs> I really was about to say something, but it threw me off. <laughs> you said it's gonna be real excitement, but then it's like, wait a minute, nope, that's too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But no, we appreciate the interview, and um, we hope that you guys in your job search. And on his website, connect with him on his website because he's got a lot of good things on there. And um, I, I went ahead and downloaded the free ebook because it's free and it's a wealth of information that a dude who literally does this for a living and has done this for six a living years. for six years, like I'm sure you want advice from someone who's knowledgeable in that area. Yes, and we're we're gonna do a first. We're actually gonna do a plug before I plug www.gettingthejobhq.com. Gettingthejobhq.com. That's Ben's website. Get to it. Get familiar. Get educated so you can stay hustling. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that being said, let's lead into the favorite part of this entire podcast show. How you? Yes, you can reach us you can follow us on twitter at educated underscore hustle once again that is educated underscore hustle we are also on snapchat where we post daily motivations encouragements just stuff to keep you out there grinding that's at educated hustle all one word educated hustle you can follow us on instagram at educated hustle podcast that's educated hustle podcast we also have a Facebook page. You can find us on there, follow the page, get a little bit more insider access, check out some of our audio clips, uh, promotional pictures that we make ourselves. Facebook page is just known simply as Educate Hustle. You'll know it by the logo. Whew. And lastly, the most important one of all, if you want to let us know how we did, you want to reach out and give us emotional feedback, let us know how we helped your day, you can email us at educatedhustlepodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is educatedhustlepodcast at gmail.com. Hey, man. You know, it's always a lot that part. But yo, I mean, yeah, follow us on the pages, man. We're getting a little bit better at what we do. Our, our picture game is up, is getting up. Our audio quality is upgrading. You know, we got little things we're dabbling with. So, yeah, man, make sure you stay engaged with us and let us know how we're doing. Mm-hmm, for sure, for sure. Please do. Yeah, man. And, you know, like we always say, Emilio, what, lead us out, man. Lead us out. What else we got for the people? What up, uh, man? Once again, people, please, 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 the deli, 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 deli mantra. Go out there, challenge yourself, do something different. I mean, we're hosts of this, but we learn new things every time we have a guest on. And Ben, he, Ben blew my mind just with all the wealth information that we learned. So, you know, if you kind of feel like you know everything or it doesn't apply to you, it really does. You got to believe. You got to go out there and you got to do it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's your life. Why not make it a great one? Ain't that right? Just shout out to my boy Josh from the Great Life <laughs> Podcast of that one. But yes, please go out there and really do what you can to make your life and those around you better. And as always, you got to stay educated and keep hustling.